Rugby Coach Weekly Podcasts presents Coaching Laid Bare with Lisa Bird Burgess and LJ Lewis. Hello and welcome to Coaching Lay Bear Pod. Um, this week we're delighted to welcome none other than Maggie Alfonsi, um, who is a legend in the women's game. I was lucky enough to teach Maggie, as I'm sure some of you know. Maggie is um, Maggie Alfonsi MBE. Not only is she an outstanding rugby player, she's represented England 74 times in 15s, scoring a massive 28 tries. Um, he also won seven Six Nation crowns and a World Cup. Um, as well as playing 15s, Maggie also represented England at sevens and at the first World Cup in 2009. And we'll, we'll talk a bit more about that. Not only is Maggie an amazing um, rugby player, um, throughout her rugby career, she, she did in, indeed become a household name for her storming runs on the pitch and a fantastic personality. But she's also become a medium professional since retiring, reporting on live matches and um, also works as a columnist um, in The Telegraph. Um, she's she's just an absolutely tremendous, all-round brilliant human being. Um, and LJ and I are delighted to welcome you, Maggie. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for that that intro. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like a fraud. I'm like, no, that's not me. Is that all? Is. Is that me? <laughs> <laughs> As always, that personality shining through. It is you, Maggie. And so <laughs> you should get all that praise and accolade. Get used to it. You've done a tremendous job for women's rugby. Thank you. Thank you. But, um, yeah, we're delighted to have you on. And, and just to let the pod pod viewers um, or listeners know, we're, we're kind of looking at taking a different spec, not only at women's rugby coaches, but also about the different things that rugby can offer. Last week, we chatted to Sophie Bennett, who's a team manager at Bath, men's professional side. And this week, Maggie, we want to explore not only your rugby playing potential and what you did for the game yourself as a player, but also what came afterwards and how it came about that. So, Alge, how are you doing? I know you're going to kick off with hey. the questions. How's your, yeah. how's your week been? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Bird. Uh, very excited to not only have yourself, Bird, who's a legend, but Maggie <laughs> as well, another legend. Uh, to really exciting. And I haven't seen Mags for a while, actually, so it's really cool to see you as well, Mags. Mm. So, um, yeah, I'm good. And a good week. Obviously busy. We've got uh, another fixture tomorrow. So busy, busy week prepping for Loughborough for us. So, um, yeah, good. And it's freezing now. So, um, <laughs> I'm not enjoying going out and it rained all week too. So I was like, oh, I hate it when it rains. But yeah, no, all good here. LJ, um, can I ask, are you going to be wearing your leopard pants? I could see you. I saw you wearing your leopard pants. Yeah, I've got some leopard pants. <laughs> oh, so, so all the listeners, guys, you can't see this, but I'm telling you, LJ's um, lying on her bed in leopard skin pants. Yeah, very becoming. <laughs> I do well love spotted, animal Mags. print. Yeah, so. Not tomorrow. No, no. I'll be fully, fully wasped up with my. I've got a wasp crunchy <laughs> and everything. So no. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, how are you, Bird? Are you all good? Yeah, all good here. Thanks. Yeah, I, I, I know what you're saying about the freezing. We're prepping our games against Worcester this weekend, so we're excited. A bit of a local derby there, and we're, um, yeah, very much looking forward to that. We're playing on Sunday, so we've got a bit of a rest day tomorrow, which is funny to have a Saturday off in a while. So, um, so yeah, looking forward to it. All good. Um, we'll get into the questions then, Mags, because we want to get loads out of you. So um, start off with kind of back in your younger days. And uh, when you were a youngster, what did you want to be when you were growing up? Oh, um, so funny, like growing up, I guess all I wanted to be was like, 
all those big occupations that everyone wants to be, you know, either a police person, a, a doctor, a lawyer. And I guess I've got a very Nigerian background. So my mum is kind of like a strict African lady. Um, so she pretty much me, wanted me to be a doctor. Um, unfortunately, I didn't go down that route. And I, I think Bird knows at school, I wasn't really that kind of academic uh, inclined. But I guess I really wanted to have one of those jobs where you felt like you had real responsibility and you could be, a, I guess, sort of an inspiration to others. I felt that was what I really wanted to be when I was young. I also wanted to be a teacher as well, because I was like, again, I had the likes of Bird as my as my teacher. And I, I remember thinking, oh, they're so, teachers are so cool. They get to go to this, this magical land called the staff room and drink coffee. <laughs> if, like, only, if only they knew, if only all the kids knew what it was really like in there. <laughs> I just remember going past like, the, the staff room. I remember the door opened up, this whoop of coffee smell just came out. <laughs> What are you doing there? Um, so but yeah, I also wanted to be a teacher. That was kind of a cool thing. But um, I guess as time went by, I just I sort of tried different things and, you know, even had a little brief spell in um, in the army for a bit of work experience. So I really enjoyed that. Oh, but wow. yeah, then found a way in, in other areas. So it was kind of like when you were young, you just sort of wanted to explore and try different things out. And um, also, before you touch on rugby, what um, what other sports did you play? Like, especially when you were at school, were there other sports that you were really into or...? Yeah, I love my athletics. So, um, so, so Bird kind of like encouraged me to get into athletics. So I remember from the javelin actually, where these like turbo javelins, which are like foam. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you could you could actually throw them quite fast. I remember like throwing that far and thinking, hey, you know, this is awesome. No one tells you that's not a real javelin. Yeah. It's not like a- <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to come in there. She can actually threw it far. Maggie picked it up and threw the whole length of the sports hall inside. It was like. <laughs> This school can throw. Hence the fact she picked up the discus and broke the school the school record and the borough record oh, in the first couple of throws. Yeah. Do you know what? I fell in I fell in love with discus. So I guess it is pretty much like a throw in a plate. And um <laughs> yeah, loved I absolutely loved it. And I guess at the time I thought I really want to get to the Olympics because I, I think growing up from where I lived in North London, I, I grew up in Edmonton and it really wasn't very aspirational, if I'm honest. And I think Trying a bit of athletics made me think I could get myself to the Olympics. So when I was young, I was like, I, I really had aspirations to sort of go, oh, I'd love to go to Olympics and be like, um, well, at the time I kind of knew Denise Lewis. That was, she was sort of the only yeah. name that really stood out to me. So I'd love to get to the Olympics and be like a Denise Lewis. Um, so I kind of fell into athletics. And uh, Bird will probably tell you, like, I, I basically got given a grant um, from Sports Aid, a £500 grant. <laughs> and uh, they, they said, uh, look, you with that £500, you know, you've got to use it really on like, getting a sports kit for athletics, because that's obviously that's where you want to progress in. And um, <laughs> uh, Bird's reminded me of this many, many times that I took that money and instead of spending it on athletics stuff, I basically spent it on rugby boots and oh. rugby kit. <laughs> And, 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 and I remember Bird asking me, you know, sort of you spent with all that money? And I was like, oh, rugby stuff, you know, obviously, miss, I'm going <laughs> to take up a rugby. And I guess that's where it sort of all kicked off, really. I think that, at that point, I realised I really do enjoy rugby. Um, it's, a, it's a fun sport. You know, I get to do it with other people rather than athletics. Enjoyed it, but it was really you're on your own a lot. And I found that quite yeah. quite boring. Yeah. So um, before... so. Did you start rugby in school or was it a club or like what actually made you put the rugby boots on and, and you know, start smashing people around yeah. as you did? So, <laughs> I found out at school, actually. That's why I got into it. So um, the school that I was at was at was Salisbury Secondary School. And we didn't really have a, a, a girls rugby team. Um, those boys obviously played the rugby. 
But um, yeah. I don't know if Bird will remember this, but this was sort of like my memory that was still quite vivid is that I remember, um, you know, I, I was quite a bad student at school and I probably don't think that, but I, I was a bad kid <laughs> at times. And um, this one day sort of changed me where I remember seeing Bird, she came into school with her, like a black eye and bruises. <laughs> do you remember this? <laughs> I do remember it. And, uh, just remember like asking asking Miss sometime, um, you know, what, what sport she does. And she was telling me about rugby and telling me she plays at Saracens and she was the captain of the Welsh women's side as well. It's funny, like when you're a student, you don't know a lot about your teachers and what they do. Yeah. And then you're suddenly your teacher tells you something like that, and you think, I'm wow, like that's our teacher. So I was really in awe of that. And um, and I remember Bird sort of encouraging me to sort of try the sport out, just give that sport a go, you know, go to the local rugby club. And I guess my local rugby club at the time really was Saracens because there wasn't really many women or girls clubs about especially in in my area of North London so uh yeah sort of like gave it a go ended up getting the W6 bus to to Southgate and uh just trying the sport out so luckily Saracens had a had a I think it might have been an under 16s girls girls size wasn't it yeah Yeah. Yeah, and actually that that sort of allowed I mean again not many clubs had girls sections so I was quite lucky to go to Saracens and and there, um, you know, my current coach at the time was a lady called Katie Ball. It was just such a nice, nice group of people, nice coach. And I just, yeah, fell in love with the sport at that point, really. So I was quite lucky to have to have Bird, obviously, yeah. as a, yeah. my teacher. I know a lot of schools, it, it's very hard for girls to find their way into the sport if they haven't got yeah. a teacher who plays it. It just highlights how important having a, a role model, you know, in a female role model, because had you not, like you say, had you not engaged with Bird, you might never have found rugby. And what a great loss that would have been to rugby. You know, possibly athletics would have, would have, you know, benefited. But actually, we need yeah. we need to have role models in our game. And that's one of the, I think that's one of the things me and Bird are quite passionate about, isn't it? Bird, especially yeah. with our podcast. That's why we want to get people like you on so that we actually inspire not only people to play, but people to also stay in the sport and coach um and and do other avenues which again mags will we'll touch on with you at some point i'm sure yeah, that's what um, i love about your podcast sorry sorry but i just say well, about ahead. your podcast because it's about talking about people in other roles in the sport because i think a lot of podcasts are all aimed at players and actually there's people who do other stuff in the game that people could you know follow in their footpaths you know either be a um you know like i said a pundit either be a, a referee a manager so it's so nice that your yeah. podcast gets to really explore that in a bit more detail Yep. No, it's brilliant, Maggie, and that's what we want to do. And, you know, going back to role models, God, you, you've you just done so much to the game and you're a phenomenal role model. So many young girls, you know, I talk about this, say, do you know Maggie? And I can actually go, yeah, I do know her, actually. <laughs> but, you know, the impact you've had has been phenomenal and the work you do and continue to do, you know, thank you for that because it's just it's just amazing um, for, for not just rugby, but for women in sport generally, you know, so you do such a fantastic job. Thank you for getting me into it, Bird. I really do appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't for you, I'll tell yeah. you. I don't know where I'll be. Well, you would have, you would have found your way. You were just, and I love the fact you say, I, I, was a na- I was a naughty kid. You were just, you were one of those kids that just had such an inquiring mind, kept asking questions, was so full of energy. And it's about trying to tap into that and find the balance yeah. between academic study and sport. You're in the gym before school, lunchtime, after school, you were there, and that's brilliant. I had no that's friends. Get out. Do you have blood blood warm all in? Come on, miss. I'm in the gym. Where are you? Yeah, I remember it well. But happy days. Many happy memories there, and great, great days, Mags. But, you know, um, moving on to that, you talked just slightly. I just want to touch on what LJ was saying about role models. You mentioned Denise Lewis there, and I know, I know you've mentioned Denise Lewis before, and I talked to you. Were there any other role models that you kind of inspired you to play and, and you know, yeah. um, you looked up so to? I guess... 
I guess with Denise Lewis, I think what was inspiring for me is like, and, and Bird, you know, the area that, that Salisbury was in, you know, Edmonton, yeah. it's not necessarily got the best reputation and, and it's a very diverse community. And unfortunately, you know, it's also quite a low social economic area. Yeah. So it was really hard to find people who you really sort of kind of like gravitate towards. Um, so, I'm, you know, my mum's amazing. She's worked many jobs to ensure that I've had the best opportunities. So she's always been like a role model to me. Um, yeah. But it's always important to have like a, a sporting person who sort of stood out for me. Um, again, Bird, you're, you're an amazing role model to me because I had, you know, to have somebody in my education environment who was who'd achieved so much was, was someone who, so that was really good to have. You, like, you were my role model, like almost in school and then out of school, I guess. Denise Lewis had always been that person just because I guess she probably you know looked like me and also I think her background's quite similar to mine. So I think she had a single sure. single parent um, single parent environment and also uh, I think she grew up in Wolverhampton, so very very challenging in certain parts. So you come out, I saw that and I thought if she can do it, you know, hopefully there's a chance that I can get there. So I guess they were my main role models. Um, at, that, at that time, rugby and new rugby, but the only rugby I knew was I guess Saracens, uh, the women's team. I didn't didn't really think about the men's team, didn't think about the men, men's version of it. I didn't really think about the England women's team or the England, like, uh, senior women players as well. Yeah, you thought you, about Saracens. Like, that was yeah, my, you, that you was were my just playing leader. it because you loved it. And that's what rugby yeah. does. You, you know, you just draws you into the game because of what the game offers. And, and that's why you were playing it. It was your genuine love and passion for it. And that, that's what's so great about rugby. Mm. And, um, you know, what a great role model to have anyway with Denise Lewis. What an amazing woman oh. she is as well. But I think it's so important that you can relate to the person as well. And then you can aspire to be like them, you know, yeah. and seeing women, if you can see it, you can be it. That's the great motto yeah, totally. that everyone's saying at the moment. It's so true. And, you know, yeah. uh, you know, and that's why it's important to get, get it out there, get it in the public domain to show, you know, these young girls growing up what they can achieve if they put their minds Absolutely. to it. Every now and again, I do get mistaken for Denise Lewis. So that's always quite a, <laughs> quite a, quite a special thing. Like whenever I do sort of like public speaking, I have to always start the talk with saying, just in case you thought I was Denise Lewis, I am not. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> I literally have been mistaken one, one time, but then you don't so much you can sort of like pretend that you're that person before they ask for your autograph and you're like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm going to do here. <laughs> <laughs> oh Brilliant. But, um, but Max, listen, when you um, kind of look back now, we talk a little bit about your rugby playing career um, mm-hmm. and thinking about the young girls that are listening to this and, and, you know, excited to hear what you've got to say. Would there be any kind of particular advice you, you would have given to your younger self and, and to any young players now aspiring to be international players? What, what kind of advice would you give them? I think I'd first start to say to them, don't think too far ahead. Because I think what happens is a lot of girls and boys, they get into sports like rugby and then their their goal is, to, I want to play for England or I want to play for Wales or I want to go to the Olympics. And you go, that's such a far, that's, that goal is so far away that sometimes um, it can look like it's really unrealistic. So I'd almost say to people, like, have these small goals that you can slowly achieve until you reach the point where you get that big goal, you know? Um, yeah. So I'd probably say to my younger self, don't look so far ahead. Because when I got into sport and I really got, I really like started to love rugby, I was like, I want to be England captain. <laughs> I went from like just starting the game to then being, I want to play for England. I want to be the captain. I know that was, and actually at any point I could have sort of left the sport because I was thinking, oh, I'm never going to get there. So I think it's really important to make sure that you have the smaller goals so you can find your way and then gradually progress. I'd also say as well, don't think about the things that you're not so good at. Um, I think all of us experience it, not even just in the rugby world or sports world, we experience it in our careers. But we spend so much time thinking about the things I need to improve on. And actually, I've learned through, now that I'm older, I'm a bit more wiser, it's to focus on your strengths. You know, focus on what you're good at. 
and, and lead with your strengths. Um, so I'd almost say to every young person, you know, think about what you're really good at and really try and improve that. And you don't have any weaknesses. You just have underdone strengths, you know, like you, you, they'll get better over time. Yeah. I love that, Maggie, because I think that's so important. I think as women generally, women, you know, when I speak to women, there's lots of women that kind of, you know, job application, for example, will look at what can't I do rather than this is what I can do, you know, and go down the list. And I, and I yeah. think that advice, especially to younger children growing up is, you know, think about what your super strengths are, as we call them now, what are you really good at? Okay. And like you said, it's, weaknesses no these are things you've got to build on yes yes potentially it's something an area of growth but you know you're still developing and and it's interesting that you said don't think too far ahead yet Mm. earlier on when I spoke to you you said when you play or when we were chatting you said you you had the aspiration of athletics you wanted to go to the Olympics but that's important to know that's a long-term goal and then you've got little steps on the way isn't it yeah I I could see you waiting to talk there else yeah, I was just going to ask, Mags, can you remember when you actually, so obviously you've talked about Saracens being like, that was like your first knowing that was rugby. When did you yeah. think, actually, I, I could play for England? Like, what made, what was, like, was there a player that you saw and you're like, oh, I want to play for England? Or can you remember yeah. what it was? I think, um, do you know, who I'd say I went to, so when I joined the Saracens and I was part of the under-16s girls squad, mm-hmm. uh, I remember Kate Ball, who was our coach at the time, took us to go and watch England women might be against Wales at Worcester Rugby Ground, I think. I can't be sure. I can't. I just I remember going to watch England. I think it was against yeah. Wales or Scotland. And um, and I, mem- I remember her. So we after the game, I remember uh, going through the car park and the England women were getting back on the coach. And I remember her um, saying, "Oh, that's Paula George, the the England captain." Oh uh, yeah. And, yeah. and I was she, like, "Wow." She was Welsh. She was Welsh actually. Just I know. Yeah. Did you? Did you play netball? For no, long? she wow, she was an amazing. Wow. Sorry to interrupt you halfway through, yeah, but yeah. Paula George, what an inspirational woman! What a brilliant athlete! Yeah, she played for Wales um, netball, and it was in those days where you know there was no kind of legislation to say you can't play. But mm. she actually played for Wales and England. Um, and Georgie, yeah, she's a phenomenal woman. She's living out in New Zealand at the moment. Yeah, she's an yeah. um, incredible athlete. Um, yeah, she's um, she's amazing. So, yeah. She's so, an, oh, she's so George. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so she was the first person. So when I remember Kate Ball going, oh, that's the captain of the England team. And I was like, no way, wow. Um, and sh- and Katie Ball was like, do you want me to introduce you to her? <laughs> you know, you do that thing. Like, oh, no yes. way, like, you can do that. You know her. So... She took the, the Saris girls over to go and talk to um, Paula George. And I was just like in massive awe. Um, and I think also because I guess I hadn't seen many divert, like many people of colour or anything in the sport. I was like, oh, wow, there's a, you know, England captains like mixed race. That's pretty, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. So it was quite nice to sort of meet her. And I think she kind of like, again, you know, yeah, sort of was a role model to me at that time. Um, yeah. Just because she sort of, maybe a, a few things resonated with me with her. But um, I think I just also loved, the fact that I got to watch an international game. It was the first time I've ever watched a women's international game. Yeah. So I was always a massive star. So when I found the sport, I became a massive Saracens men and women's fan. So I would go to watch the women play and I'd go and watch the men play at Vicarage Road. And I was just, re- I just love the sport with those, those two teams. So to go and watch my first international rugby match, which was a women's game, I was like, this is awesome. You know, women play at this really high level. And there was a really good crowd there from what I remember. So those are, I think those were the moments where I realised I love rugby a lot. I love international rugby. And um, I think I could or would like to work towards trying to play for England. Yeah, that's really cool. I remember um, when I first, I, my, I, come from, well, I come from Leicester, so big yeah. big rugby, you know, rugby yeah. uh, up there. 
But when I first found rugby, I remember reading an article in Rugby World and it was on Paula George. Um, and that was the first time I thought, oh, wow, there's, w- there's women playing international rugby. Because, again, I – so, yeah, she uh, she was definitely uh, a big, big figure for someone like myself as well. I really – I loved watching her play as well. She was really amazing. Oh, she's such an exciting player, wasn't she? So skillful. Yeah. Just could, like, catch and run and just look yeah. like it was effortless. Really um, yeah. So strong. You know, you think yeah. some of those Seriously. handoffs. I've been on the back end of some of those, I can tell you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's a strong lady, definitely. But that's great. Elja, you got into Elja, you got into MBA and judo. Who got you? Oh uh, yeah, who fighting. You to that? that's, that's like, yeah. Yeah, don't mess with LJ Max. Yeah. Do not mess with this one. I've seen one I of the fights. Work, I used to work with LJ, so I, I realised never to mess with her then. <laughs> yeah, basically I just I don't know, I just some things changed in my life and um I'd always loved I always loved fighting and like watching fights you know yeah. and then um I had when I was still in Leicester there was um a quite a big martial arts mixed martial arts gym they did lots and lots of different things and I went I just went along and um basically just like really enjoyed it and just stuck mm-hmm. at it and then my my husband now he was also doing it at the time and he he's in rugby as well but we became friends like because of rugby but also with our fighting and um, it just became part of our life and I also at that time realized I'm probably not going to be a very good rugby player but probably a good fighter (laughs) and actually a better better coach of rugby so it's like this could be my avenue to because I felt like I needed to be competitive still but Mm. actually I loved coaching like I just I was like I don't want to leave rugby um and I could still be competitive fighting and get what I needed but then pursue my career as I as I am now doing mm. and um yeah so that's kind of how I fell into fighting but yeah it's so interesting yeah interesting uh some interesting moments in my life I'll tell you <laughs> getting people in headlocks I yeah, love that. yeah. yeah. Out a few she's times done that to me training. Max she's yeah. done that to me tell you <laughs> don't go there I've had a few moments where I've had a few players go come on then really come yeah on. <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah. about it's about Elge as well it's about uh, excuse me, about opportunities, isn't it? You know, so that yeah. that was available there, that exposure, yeah. and then you kind of took on board that. So it's really important that, you know, mm. we, we, things are accessible, is what I'm trying to say, because from yeah. that comes those opportunities, isn't it? And that's yeah, just, yeah. Um, yeah, brilliant. And that gave you a fantastic grounding and what a fantastic rugby coach you are as well, you know? And that, that takes the point as well. You don't have to be a great rugby player to be a really good coach. And that's the yeah. other thing. If you've got that great understanding and ability to relate and talk and explain to people, you know, you can progress. So, but why was out of all the clubs? Why yeah. was? Yeah, wasps. <laughs> Waspies. <laughs> Swap what those can wasps. What I say? Because I'm Lord me in, and I'm 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 there. I love it. Bring <laughs> yeah. on. But Max, just um, going back to rugby again. What what's your mm. um? I know it's a difficult question, but what's your favourite rugby memory? Oh. I'm sure there's loads, but there's, 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 yeah. Do you know what? My, I say people always think when they ask me a question like that, they think I'm going to say like, "Oh, winning the World Cup in 2014." That was like my favorite rugby moment. I mean, that moment was just a relief, you know. Yeah. We spend, we sp- like we spent so while, long. Eh? Yeah, you know, everyone works really hard to try and achieve their goal, and look, we we're very fortunate and very thankful that you know we did achieve that in 2014. And many teams are still working towards that. So when we finally got it, I was like, oh, "That's a relief," because. I've now finally got that monkey off my back because it was something yeah. we were yeah. trying to achieve like everyone else was trying to achieve, but got to do it. So I felt really pleased with that. But I'd probably say my main um, main favourite moment, I guess, in rugby 
There'd been a couple actually. I say one when I when I was young, um, playing at Saracens for the under 16s setup, I think it was. And actually, the teachers came down to see me play. So I think oh, Miss Woodhead, yeah. Miss Canty, yeah. um, and I think Graham, Miss Weber as well. So Weber, these yeah. are back at, back in the day, and they came to watch me play um, in under 16s level. And I was like, go on, why would you want to come down and watch me play? But it was really that that meant a lot, like to have people back you um, and believe in you. But I'd probably say my other best moment in the game had to be probably in 2010 when our England team got to the final of the Rugby World Cup um, you know it, it wasn't nice losing that in that final but what was amazing I think was just having a tournament in your own country it's, yeah. you know, it's not, not every not every um, team gets to experience that having a, a tournament in your own backyard and then I think it was nice to have family and friends around who were in the crowd and it was the first time I probably saw women's rugby be treated with a bit of respect <laughs> you know it was um I started yeah. to see paper cuttings of talking about the women's rugby world cup and all the teams in it and then um I remember Sky Sports were following it and they were showing all like majority of the games anyway and that's like again it was just the first time I'd seen women's rugby get a lot of acknowledgement and that made that was quite a special moment because it wasn't about me or the team or anything like that it was about our game so I think that was probably yeah. one of the best times where I've gone finally people know that women play it and we're pretty decent at it as well so that was probably up there you know wow brilliant memories there go on I knew there wouldn't just be one I knew that (laughs) (laughs) um so Mags uh, obviously you've stopped playing now and you you know you've got a very successful career but um could you talk us through how you transition from playing into what you do now obviously I know we worked together for a short while where you actually did some coaching um but to from playing to where you are now, what kind of support did you get um, and potential barriers? And then obviously at the end of that, is there any advice you'd give to people out there trying to get into doing what you're doing now with the media? And, and obviously you're such a, like being that person that people can see being a role yeah. model. So I guess um, once I finished, well, actually during playing rugby, like all of us had had a job, had an other job. And I think that's one of the benefits of, um, I think women's rugby, you know, effectively it's not all full-time professionals. Yeah. So you get to have the opportunity of working and some might say that's a disadvantage, but I actually found that quite a good thing to have something else outside of rugby. So I guess um, whilst playing, I you know, initially worked for Rugby Football Union and then um, went to work for the Youth Sport Trust. And that gave me something else to focus on. So then when I retired from rugby, I just kind of like did continue to work for the Youth Sport Trust anyway. And there I was, I was full-time as an athlete mentor manager. And I guess at that point, I started to kind of do bits of TV stuff, but it wasn't really serious. It was just every now and again when the women's game was on, I would be asked to, to be involved in it. And then I um, I fully retired. No, I, I went to try and get to the Olympics as a shot put thrower, but let's not talk about that. <laughs> I did, I did, I, I, yeah, I did make it, let's just say that. So um, I, I just thought, let me, let me keep working and do bits of TV stuff with... with uh, whenever the women was on and actually what happened soon after retiring I got contacted by ITV and um, ITV were like look we've seen you retired seen that your shop is not going really well um would you want to be a pundit for the men's rugby world cup which was in 2015 and I was like whoa first I I am um I've not played men's rugby before (laughs) and uh number two I'm a little bit nervous and I think I'll struggle with talking in front of people about rugby and then they were like just give it a go man how cool would that be you know to be a woman in that environment. And I was like, all right, yeah, I'll do, I'll do it. So we came on the pundits for the Men's World Cup. And I think that's what kicked it all off, you know, yeah. um, 
to sort of, I was, and at the time as well, I was the first female, also current rugby player, to be a pundit for any sort of sport, especially men's sport anyway. Well, not men's sport, but, you know, men's tournaments. So to be able to to take on that role was quite quite significant. I didn't really think about it being, you know, first female or anything like that. I just thought, okay, I've got, I want to be a good pundit. I want to do a good job and um, not really think about, you know, who I'm representing, just be good at what I do. And I remember doing the first game, which was Romania versus France, and... I was like, oh my God, how do I pronounce any of these names on either teams? This is like, <laughs> this is like my worst, my worst nightmare. Yeah. I was like, oh God. So um, thankfully it went okay. And I really enjoyed the experience. And then it made me realise, because obviously I worked for the RFU with ULJ and I was, yeah. I was a uh, talent development officer and obviously did a lot of coaching. And I enjoyed my coaching, but then I, st- I fell out of love when I was working at the RFU as a coach. And I guess in a weird way, being a pundit was like a coach. You're, like, you're a coach on TV and I, and I remember thinking, I kind of like this. I like the idea of sort of trying to describe what you see, um, how teams can be, how things can be improved on the telly um, in terms of the, the, the performance of both teams. So that's why I reframed it. I sort of started to see country as being, I'm a, I'm a TV coach. Uh, so that's how I look at it now whenever I do do stuff as well. And also I try and make sure, I don't, I'm not one of those uh, um, pundits who, analyze things to death that's just not how I, how I work you know where possible trying to have a bit of I was told um and that it was one of the guys from ITV and he was like you know when you work on the TV it's about we, we aim to be broadcasters so we aim to open up to many different people we're not yeah. narrow casters and I was like that's such a really interesting point so mm. he is like always be authentic be yourself just just talk about what you see but don't you know don't necessarily feel like you have to go to all the the minute details because Actually, that puts people off sometimes, not on all, not on all yeah. occasions. But, and I always think to myself, when I'm on TV, like, I want to attract as many people into the game. So, you know, talk about it in a way that people can understand. And that's what I try and do. So I think my mum's watching, how does she, can she understand it? And someone who's, who's competed at a decent level, do they understand what I'm talking about? And actually, will they have their own opinions on what I've said? Because not everything I say is going to be right. And no pundit is, is 100% right. So I guess that's how I approached it. And uh, yes, yeah, so I'm lucky I've transitioned over to the world of broadcasting and journalism. Um, but I also work part time for Vitality as well. So I'm a programme director there. And I thoroughly enjoy, again, I, I'm very much, my attitude has always been, I want to try and have a bit of, have your fingers in different pies. You know, um, I was always told it's a portfolio career. So have do different things. So do a bit of rugby. Um, the work I do with Vitality is very much around health and well-being. So I like, I like having different things to sort of focus on. So it, it wasn't easy, though, because I think every like we've all been there as, as athletes, you know, we transitioned into working in a different environment. You sort of it's hard to find your fit. You know, what, what where am I going to really excel? So it took me a while to find where I, I would excel. And now I finally enjoy what I'm doing, which is because I know what I'm good at. Yeah. Um, so I would probably say for anyone who wants to try and cross over into the world of broadcasting, what's great is there's now many more of us out there doing it, not just in women's rugby. Um, or rugby as a whole but football cricket there's there's a lot it's like it's yeah. it's acceptable now you know and it's normal to see a woman um talking about a sport that's like that's normality now which is great so i would probably say to anyone who is keen on being involved in broadcasting um try different things out especially if they try to learn it so you know set up podcasts you know like you guys like don't be afraid to listen to hear your voice don't be be confident yeah. with your voice um don't be afraid to have opinion some reason i think as women we sometimes don't yeah. have an opinion and that was the hardest thing I learned when I moved into broadcasting 
because I was with all the lads, um, you know, I was like, oh, they're going to know more than me because they play men's rugby and stuff like that. And, and I wanted to be like the lads as well, like one of the boys. <laughs> um, and then oh. I was like, do you know what? I, I need to have an opinion. So I now make sure I don't agree with what they what they say and I don't agree with what I always what I say, which is absolutely fine. So it's important to be confident with your voice, be confident of having an opinion. Not everyone's going to agree with you, which is which is life. And um, I would also say to people who do want to give broadcasting a go is watch various different types of people. You know, there's no right way of being a broadcaster. You know, not everyone loves me and, and some people do love me. That's And that's and again, that's fine because there's different types of people out there who will comment on a sport. So I would encourage people just to be confident with their voice. Um, yeah, watch others in terms of how they do it, but also don't be afraid to have an opinion. That's really key. The um, when you're in the when you're doing like let's say you're doing a men's men's fixture or the, like yeah. a World Cup, let's say, are then the guys that you know the other ex players that you do it with, are they really supportive of you? Like, do you have you been able to build a good relationship with them? How have you they're found re- that? They're really good. Like to start off with, I can't lie to you. I was a bit like um, you know who where do you, you know who meets who in the middle? Do you know what I mean? Do I have to make more of an effort, or are they supposed to make me more of an effort? And Actually, when I first started in 2015, I was really shy, really nervous. And the guys were really good. They would talk to me and, and, and you know, oh, great, make it to have you, great to have you on board. There's part of you in your head is thinking, am I a token? Like, am I just yeah. here because I'm the only woman or a person of colour? Like, um, is that what am I really doing here? So I, I thought that was going to be an issue. Like, would the boys want to talk to me because I've just been selected for maybe a different reason? Um, but I say my, my, my relationship with a lot of the guys has definitely increased you know, in the sense that it's like being in any team. It, when you first come in, you sort of people start, start have to kind of like get to know you and you've got to get to know them before you start opening up. And I hate the word banter, but, you know, you have that kind of like, we can joke about things outside of um, just talking about rugby. And the last work I did with the boys um, and the girls um, was in 2015, sorry, 2019 last year uh, out in Japan. And, you know, I was out there for the whole entire, I was out there for six, no, for, uh, I was like four weeks, sorry, four weeks of the tournament. Yeah. And that, that, you know, that's a long time to spend with a lot of the guys and stuff like that. But what was great is the, is the guys were out there with their wives and, you know, so it was a really nice relationship. I, and now I see a lot of them as friends rather than, oh, yeah, I'm going to work with them now when I work for yeah. whatever, ITV or BBC. So it's, it's, it's we've got a, a genuine relationship, a genuine friendship, and you can, you can have an honest conversation on air if you don't agree with somebody or if you do agree with them so that makes tv better when you have a better relationship with them off off camera yeah i yeah i remember from the world the world cup uh with the men last year who is it you you tackled was it lawrence oh yeah no i tackled i can't remember i think I think it might have been Sam Warburton or Gareth Thomas, oh. one, of the, one of those guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was it, yeah. Was oh, it, I, I think it was it. Gareth Thomas, wouldn't it? It might have been Gareth Thomas. Yeah, I think so. I was he, like, yeah, nice, yes, Mags. Uh, Gareth <laughs> no, is really good, right. though. You know, he's such a such a nice Welsh legend. He's such a nice guy, so I think he took the tackle and was like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. I'll, I'll make it look good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so, Mags. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was hell of a tackle. But that's, um, there's, there's some brilliant advice you've given there, Maggie. There really is on, on moving forward and everything and I love that thing you said about you know broadcasting rather than narrow cast you know relating mm. to everyone and that's so important when you're in that position to get across to as many people as you can and you've certainly done that you've grown massively 
as a, mm. as a broadcaster and reporter and you know the technical detail but also you can relate to people which is really great comes across mm. you know really top and it job. takes time it takes time it like being a being a top rugby player or a top coach you, you never you're not the best coach to start off with you're not the best player to start off with it's like trial and error and i think that's yeah. the same when it comes to being a pundit and that do you know what i'll be honest when i started off i was pretty average and pretty basic and actually i'm still not 100 great but you, it's about learning it's about developing and and seeing your performance and think about how you can improve it so it's just, yeah, also, Mags, as well, it's like grasping those opportunities that life throws at you because, you know, broadcasting, it's like, you know, oh, my God, you know, yeah, it's going to be in front of millions of people. It's like a massive thing. But actually, if you didn't say yes to that, you wouldn't know, you know, that would be an area you'd never explored and seen what your potential is. So, you know, it's really important when life throws those opportunities. Don't be afraid. Take them. Yeah. You know, they're not always going to work. It's not always going to work out. But at least you can try it and say, well, I did give that a go and I gave it my best shot. Yeah. But it wasn't for me. You know, yeah. so. And I hope more, you know, more young girls and women listen to that and have a go because that's what it's all about. Okay, know, I was going to say as well, I'm moving to world of governance and I love governance and obviously you're on the board as well. And that's yeah. why I think we need to get, we need to get more women in the world of governance, like to make yeah. it onto like leadership 100%. roles, um, you know, either on their councils, either within the, their own um, their communities, but mainly importantly, get onto some boards because actually that's where all the decision making happens. So yeah. you're up there now. So how are you finding it? Yeah. Um, oh, you can tell you're such a great look at her. Look at her, LJ. Yeah. Tune in right now, interviewing us. We're hey, this is about this is about you, this podcast. But yeah, just very quickly on that, because I'm conscious of time. I've got a few more questions we want to ask you. But um yeah, in terms of that, I can't agree with you more, Maggie. And I think the more, like, if you can see it, you can be it yet again, yeah. you know, and encouraging those women to go out there. And it's actually, I was having a conversation the other day to one of the board members about, you know, mm. and district reps, you know, about making sure that the, the women realise these opportunities are there and they can stand as regional and district reps and, you know, to do that. Mm. So by seeing, you know, people like yourself, myself, you're on the board mm. as well, or the council, isn't it, in the RG? Yeah. yeah, which is fantastic. You know, you can actually do it. So, so yeah, you know, and, and don't be afraid of grasping those opportunities and putting yourself forward because you're right. That's where the, the top decisions are made. So you need yeah. to have that diverse representation of the population to enable the right decisions to be made that affect yeah. everyone. So, yeah. So anyway, back to you. Back to you, Maggie <laughs> Alfonsi. You got one more, Alge. Go on. question before we move over, bed, But um, so, Mags, what, what now? What is your aspiration now? Like, what do you want to... Like five years time, let's say, what are you trying to get to? So I guess that's what my aspiration is now. I'm moving into the world of governance. So I love doing the broadcasting. That makes me, I guess, I call it a visible leader. So people can see my face and know that I'm out there. And there's many more women who are doing some great stuff in the world of broadcasting. Um, but actually, I'm really keen on trying to develop myself in the world of governance. So I'm currently on the, on the RFU Council. Um, I think I'm one of seven or eight women at the moment. And um, I'm the only person of colour on that as well. So I guess my attitude is that I want to be more involved in, in something like that, in the world of governance and making decisions for your sport and encouraging many other women or people of diversity to get to get involved in, in roles like that. Um, I guess my big focus is in the next, who knows, five to ten years, I want to be... Um, I want to get onto the RFU board. That's, that's quite important. Um, and then work my way to becoming a president for the RFU. That, like, that would be kind of where I'm quite quite keen on um, progressing because there's so many players doing it on the field, which is great. There's so many players who are now becoming, you know, we've got amazing, fantastic female coaches out there, which is brilliant. Um, and now broadcasters, as many women have taken over there. 
so where can where can I really make an impact as I, as I truly believe is in the world of governance really so uh, that's my next goal and I've just recently finished my MBA degree so uh, wow. quite relieved with that one yeah and I, and I managed to and, and, and the what areas was that, that I was focused on it was basically the title was um, is called um, an MBA for CEOs in sporting organization so it's pretty okay. much a leadership a leadership postgraduate degree so it was all around you know how do you, if you want to be a leader in this in sporting organization what 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 areas you need to focus on so it was a lot of, so focused also on like economics finance all of that stuff really and um i truly feel like uh i'm i'm trying to get the academic side of it as well as the you know having the playing and sporting understanding yeah. i want to get the business mind so i guess that's what i'm doing now so working with vitality gives me a business understanding about how to improve a business and also doing the uh, postgraduate degree has been really useful in terms of progressing my understanding of there. So now I'm trying to merge the two, merge all of that together, really. So hopefully the next five to 10 years, I'm still so long, uh, next five to 10 years, I do want to hopefully be um, you know, quite, quite high up in the world of the RFU or who knows world rugby. So that, that's where I like to think my next next goal is. And just want to keep progressing the, the game, really. Not just, not just women's, women's game, but everyone and across yeah. the globe, you know, I look at Pacific Islanders and stuff like that. How do we, how do we make our game a, a better game? That's all. Wow. Wow. What a woman you are, Maggie. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> Congratulations on that. Um, yeah, thank you. you know, that attainment. That's just brilliant. This is, this is a girl that says she was um, not very academic in school. Wow. Yeah. That potential to all you young girls listening out there, that potential is always there. And just, yeah. you know, when you, when you find out the right, what actually you want to do and that drive and passion, you can achieve anything you set your mind to. And Maggie Alfonsi is a fine example of that. Um, but yeah, it's great to hear, Mags. You know, oh, I, it's, oh God, it's my turn now to ask some questions. Um, LJ's, LJ's smiling away because I know she's got some more. <laughs> but, um, um, Mags, just to, talking about, and I know this is, um, um, what's the hardest lesson or the biggest disappointment you had when you were playing rugby? And, and how did you overcome that? You know, when it doesn't quite go how you want it to go. How, what did mm. you do? How did you get there? Um. So I guess my biggest, I wouldn't say disappointment, but my uh, biggest failures, I guess, had, had probably been, you know, for our England team when we didn't win the World Cup, like we got to the final in 2006. Yeah. And then again, we repeated that again in 2010. And I think the biggest failures there was all about, like, I learned, um, you know, the fact that we didn't really, we didn't really learn how to be a team um, and we didn't really learn how to, I guess build an emotional connection with each other. Okay. So I guess when when we won it in 2014, the way we overcome those failures was that we, we we started to spend more time getting to know each other's team members, getting to understand the 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 person rather than the player. Okay. Because I think when people say to say to me like you know how did you guys win the World Cup and I always say to them it wasn't anything to do with performance or it, honestly we actually were a team. <laughs> you know so, so like if I think in 2006 we we probably weren't that there's half people who are going to retire and there's half that who were about to start their journey. So it was a real mixed team in 2006, 2010, we had a, a formed team, but it was very young. Uh, we didn't, you know, we didn't have a lot of leaders. And then in 2014, we built, we built this emotional connection that like that, that through failure, we, we reinvented ourselves and we learned more about each other. And then in 2014, when I think about the reasons why I wanted to win the world cup, it wasn't about winning the world cup. It was like I wanted to do it for my my teammate, you know. I wanted to do it for Heather Fisher. I wanted to do it for Sophie Hemming. I wanted to do it for those people. I wanted to win the World Cup for them, rather than maybe in 2006, 2010. It was quite individualistic. It was about you know myself or 
we just weren't a team. So I'd probably say those were the biggest failures, but the way we got out of those failures was about reinventing ourselves and, and actually looking at your team members. And if I think about that, some of the men's teams or the best teams out there, like the All Blacks, people would probably say the reason why they're so good, I mean, they, lose, they lost against Argentina recently, but the reason why they're so good is the fact that they've got this like massive bond. It's like, it's like being part of a family. Their culture is all about we're together, we're brothers. And I think that's they're the best teams who, who go far, the ones who have that emotional connection. So I probably said that was the biggest failure and that's how we got out of it. Wow, that's great. Really, sorry, go on, Elch. What can you remember if there's any like anything particular that you did as a group, like maybe the coaches did with you or you know, yeah. like the whole management and players? Is there any exercises you did or anything? One thing I talk about quite a lot whenever I do like public speaking is that uh, I remember uh, before the World Cup final in 2014, we was out in camp in a, during a tournament. Our sports psychologist, um, she basically um, asked us to go to our rooms and record us asking a question and, re- and record us responding to that question. So the question was, you know, you know what's your why? <laughs> like, why do you want to win a World Cup? Why do you want to play for England? And I think that was quite important quite powerful you know uh, when we finally all knew what our whys were it that's when we started to really appreciate that like my why wasn't about winning a world cup my why was that I wanted to make my mum proud <laughs> so that was my why and we all had different whys so I'd probably say you know again we spend so much time as even I, I appreciate as even being a coach I spent a lot of time in trying to improve people's performances as mm-hmm. a as a rugby player and then I started to realize as I got older how do you be, how do you develop the holistic player who's you know, good on and off the field. And and I think when you help players off the field, they, they become so much stronger on the field. And I've seen that with a lot of coaches, like they try and develop the holistic player. Mm. So that's what I think. I've, I think um, the coaches did a good job. So Gary Street and Graham Smith were amazing coaches for, for myself growing up. Um, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for them. And same with Simon Middleton, who was one of my coaches, and um, Dan, oh, I forgot his name. He, coached, he used to coach Wells briefly. And then I think... And that, uh, not Dan Cotter, um, he coached Newport Dragons, Dan, I forgot his name is, um, really, we'll you'll, you'll know if you saw him, but uh, yeah, so he was one of, he was one of my coaches, so having coaches like that have been quite key, but I'd say the work the sports psychologist did was, was, it was a, it was a weird move, it, it kind of changes in a different way, psychological, because I think not a lot of people think about the psychological side of things. Yeah, Definitely. I love that, I love that exercise, we, yeah, we do a lot of that at club, like Giselle's yeah. pushed a lot of that with our culture. And yeah, I, I agree with you. Knowing more about the person mm. just makes you all a little bit more empathetic as well, doesn't it? Because not everyone's on the same page each day. Totally. Um, what if you've just had a bad day, something's happened at work, something's happened with family. Yeah, it does make you appreciate each other. And then like you say, you're going to have each other's back when it's really tough on the field. So yeah, it's great. I love that. Mm. just goes to show what culture and taking time to get to know people players can do and bring mm. i think that's a really massive important lesson for everyone that culture mm. spending time with culture and getting to know your players for any coach out there is the best thing yeah. you can do and time well spent definitely mm. i am um, i've just started watching um chasing the sun the documentary that they did on the oh. spring box in it for oh, the world. interesting yeah. Um, yeah we've only got we've we've watched we've got two left to go but the biggest thing that, again, like you mentioned, the All Blacks, but the reason why the Springboks have done so well is because, and obviously South African, um, the history and, yeah. you know, they've got, a, a, their culture is so, there's so much of their culture. Yeah. The yeah. one thing that they managed to do and turn the Springboks around was they actually changed the organisation and they changed the way people saw the individual. Yeah. 
So uh, again, mm. like honestly, if you if you've got you know when you oh, get yeah. to watch that, chasing the sun, chasing the sun. Yeah, it's not oh, actually that, yeah. um, it's not actually out here, so you have to find a way oh. of getting it. But yeah. um yeah, that again will show you exactly that point you've just made, Mags, about knowing knowing the the person, knowing what they've come from, knowing their struggle. And I'm telling you, that is why England were never mm. going to beat them that day because mm. the Springboks had way more to it than what England would ever have. And like, yeah, you can see it from that documentary. So yeah, sounds cool. really powerful. Chasing the sun, Al, yeah, yeah, sounds powerful. Look forward to that. And Maggie, um, I'm conscious of time because I know I know you've got your little one, Artie. You've, um, you say it's nine, nine weeks? Nine, nine weeks, weeks today, yeah. Oh, yeah, my God. Nine weeks today. And you Busy. look amazing. I, I Like I said well, to Scott, all our listeners, yeah. we're on Zoom, but um, you look <laughs> not, you're really great. Little Artie's nine weeks. Congratulations. Thank um, you. Motherhood as well. Um, <laughs> so so um, just last question last question let's, let's wrap it up here so where do you see women's rugby going in the next five five years maggie i mean um exciting times i know but go on give yeah. us your take on where you see it going so i can see it going up definitely in the sense that um you know we've got the women's rugby world cup next year in new zealand 2021 and i i think it'll be really well watched and well attended obviously over new zealand covid is sort of like sort of now um, been well managed and, and they've got normal fans back to watching all of their games really so I think it's going to be well watched and especially seeing the draw recently was oh, the launch the last... launch was phenomenal oh, wasn't uh, it it was just brilliant. amazing and to Jacinda just, uh, the Prime Minister yeah Jacinda, oh, <laughs> Jacinda Arden absolutely I mean everyone who doesn't love her she's amazing um, she is and I just think that I think so I think the Women's World Cup is going to be hugely watched and hugely attended um, and I think in the women's game, it, what's great, we've got professional athletes there. The only disappointment that I have with the women's game, which I think will improve in the future, was that we'll see more nations develop, have, have, have professional athletes, and we'll have coaches who are given full-time contracts, and you know, the, 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 we'll have sponsors who will be you know, really keen to, to sponsor the women's game. Um, yeah. So I think that's what I want to see in the future. And I think look, things are massively improving now. You know, We've got definitely a few nations at the moment who've got professional but for our game to really grow you need to see other countries get that professional status and have the coaches and have the sponsorship because you know look I, I've, I'll support England all the way um, but what I don't want to see is that every game England plays they win and every time it's a World Cup it's always New Zealand and England I don't I don't want to like I want to see variety I want to see any team could get to that final Mm. Um, and I want women to be supported whatever nation they are because I think it's good for the game 100%. so I guess that's what I, I hope to see in the next, next five five to ten years the women's game get progressed and, and hopefully in the future we won't have to ask the question what do we hope to see <laughs> you know I like yeah, to think yeah. that people Absolutely. will be like this, the women's game is amazing we put more money into it and yeah. so that's that's the future that's what I, I, I would like to see in, the, in the, uh, the I want the game to progress and I want other nations to progress as well it's not just England I want to see yeah. other countries really get there and you say that, you know, touching on New Zealand, that launch was phenomenal. I don't know if you saw it, Alge, but it was it was absolutely brilliant. And um, guys, if any of you out there haven't, haven't watched it, you can still get the links to that, the launch of the World Cup in New Zealand. Watch it, it was really good. But also touching on that, I think um, with the exposure New Zealand are given already, like the Farrell Palmer Cup on the domestic league, you know, the women's, yes. the women's Allianz over here is being streamed now. Um, but it'd be great once you get that, the commercial benefits come with that. And hopefully a sponsor, anybody out there, yeah. just do it back. 
back the women's mm. game because if you do you're going to reap massive rewards on it and it will enable the game to grow which will be phenomenal it's, really, it's not all about money but it's about exposure mm. and getting the right things in place so yeah 100 percent on that and the unfortunate thing is that covid's not helped the situation like, i think a lot of sponsors no. had to pull out of various different sports um but hopefully we've seen women's game other sports reinvent themselves to the point where sponsors go really want to put my money into this and also other broadcasters you know we saw during the autumn internet autumn internationals for england anyway england and france both of those games were on free to air tv you know bbc uh, and the world cup will likely be on you know itv so that's brilliant that's what we want to see we want to see more more opportunities yeah come on you people out there back us <laughs> lg it's over to you my quick fire questions i'm just getting them hang on brilliant. okay so you've just got to shout bird and maggie you just shout which one you prefer they're a yeah. bit random there's a yeah i'll just go and see how we go. just go <clears throat> the first one is a bit christmasy just thought i'd start with that nice. um a nice yule, log, yule log or christmas pudding hang on Oh, is it Yule Log chocolate? <laughs> yeah, the Yule Log's chocolate, yeah. Yule Log. <laughs> Maggie, you're Christmas pudding, are you? Love Christmas pudding. I mean, look, it rot your teeth, but I love it. I just a bit of custard oh. on that as well. Does the oh, job. I have to say, <laughs> I, yeah, I like Christmas pudding well. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, next one is um, gardening or DIY? Gardening. Mm. Oh, God. Uh, I'll go gardening. Maggie's going to go neither. Neither. <laughs> <Like, laughs> Do either. <laughs> I'm a lot older than you, Mag. So yeah, gardening. There we go. Okay, garden as well. Uh, okay, next one is fifteens or sevens. Fifteens. Fifteens, definitely fifteens. <laughs> um. Okay, scrum or line out. Line out. <laughs> yeah, I like line out because I never had to put my my head or my cheek on a proper bum. So that, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Let's go line out. <laughs> And then last one is uh, a rook or a maul. Ah, rock, definitely rock. rock. I reckon rock <laughs> as knew, well. I knew oh. you'd say that, Max. Mauling. Do you know the amount of times I've had my my foot stepped on by a big second row? Get off my foot. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Oh, good on you, Alex. Great questions. Loving it. Um, Maggie, it's been an absolute pressure. Yeah. We could talk and talk and talk to you. Um, we really could. You're... You're just such a fantastic person, and you—you you know—it's been—it's been great spending this hour with you, just chatting to you. Um, yeah. I hope you and little Artie there have a fantastic Christmas. Um, Thank you, and you too as well, both of you. Have a great Christmas, great New Year. Bring on 2021. Yes, let's bring on 2021. Um, so, guys, this is it for the podcast um, tonight. Thank you all for listening. And if you want to hear more, please visit rugbycoachweekly.net and click on the podcast button to visit the women's section. Thank you all for listening. Stay safe and well and catch up again with you soon. Um, thanks again, guys. Cheers, Maggie. Cheers, Thank LJ. you. Bye. Bye, guys.